Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So we're going to have some fun tonight. We're going to keep it a little lighter than we have the last couple of shows, I suppose. Uh, some some rather dense topics lately on the show, Luke. It's just the way things pop up sometimes. You know, when, when there's interesting stuff out there, I dive into the interesting. And when there's interesting sports stuff out there that's like directly related to the Mariners or the Seahawks or whatever, I dive into that, which is what my intention is tonight. Luke Arkin's a prospect insider who's always good for an opinion, some insight, data, etc. How are you, my friend? I am doing great, Tom. It's great to be here. Mm, I'm glad you, somebody thinks so. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, okay. So I want to start with something that you pointed out on Twitter the other day. By the way, Sigra the Beast on the chat says, evening, evening to you, um, you said, you pointed out a quote from Albert Einstein, which we've all heard a million times. I don't know how many of you know that it's Albert Einstein who said it. The definition of an insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. It's, an, it's a quotation I've actually had some issues with in the past. But now that I know it's Einstein, I suppose I'll just trust it and never question it again. But it applies to the Mariners, does it not? What what is what were you seeing in terms of fan reaction, either to things you've wrote, social media, prospectinsider.com, otherwise, that led you to comment on that? Well, Tom, it's like, you know, last year that they weren't very good, they couldn't hit. And this year, they're not very good, and they couldn't hit. And they didn't really change anything. Mm. And they, they got Mitch Haniger back, they got Tom Murphy back. But they were both unknowns. You couldn't really be planning on those guys to make to make a big difference this year. Hanniger has, Murphy has not, and that's it. I mean, what else was were we expecting? Kyle Lewis was he he was good early. He kind of faded late. Evan White struggled. He struggled more this year. And as you go down the lineup, nothing's really changed. So why would you expect different results? Well, you wouldn't if. I, I guess I'll go devil's advocate here and maybe as the hopeful fan, if there's any left, I think there probably are um, young players 
we do expect to improve if they're highly touted enough. I mean, look, Kelnick's just up in the, in the past couple of weeks. Kyle Lewis has shown something, but we know with rookies, they kind of, you know, they go, the good ones go up and then they come down. And then if they're really, you know, worth a damn in, in their sport, they come back up. So with guys like Evan White, Kyle Lewis, who would you have expected? I mean, who would have been reasonable to expect different results from? Nobody, you think? Kyle Lewis, I would expect. And I think he will be fine. Mm. Evan White was an unknown. We're hoping he's going to do better. J.P. Crawford, he's hitting the ball better for right now, but it's not the first time he's hit the ball as well. And he doesn't hit the ball exceptionally hard, which concerns me. But yeah, after that, what else, you know, what else are we looking at? You know, Kelnick is up now and he's a big deal. But the rest of the guys, you know, I don't know where the growth was supposed to come from. You know, we had questions about Dylan Moore. Was he going to be what he was last year or not? I mean, if you look a year earlier, Shed Long had very similar numbers, was anointed the second baseman, got hurt, and that opened the door for Dylan Moore this year. Similar, similar numbers to Moore. He comes in, he's anointed. And he hasn't hit that well. So, again, you don't know what you really had there. And that was my point, is that I think fans, you know, they want to believe the team's going to be better, but there really was no reason to think it was going to be much better. It, you know, certainly a player here or there may be better, but there just wasn't enough change. They didn't add any position players at all. Right. So how could they be significantly better? Sure, an individual might get better. But the team itself couldn't possibly be significantly better. Well, right. And, and right. yeah. And, and last year, I mean, we we're talking shortened season last year, but right. I mean, ultimately the results weren't particularly good. Um, I, you know, they're 23 and 27 right now. This is the reason why I wrote up on the, um, I guess it's the title of the show, Same Old Mariners, is because how many times, Luke, have we found young team, veteran team, or some mixture of the two? How many times have we seen the Mariners in this position as we enter June where it looks like they're, wow, we're just below 500, not very good. But when you think about the wild card, we're not out of it. This to me is one of the... I would call it the drawbacks of the of the added wild card or wild cards, but it does kind of fool the fan base and perhaps the teams into thinking, well, we're only a couple of games out. We might as well hang in there and do this X, Y, and Z. When really, by the by the time the end of the season rolls around, you'll you'll be separated enough from the true comp from the true competitors where you know you never really be- belonged in the first place. So is this a team that should think about? selling something already this team is not a contender for any postseason Mm -hmm. it's not if you're going with six-man rotation it's not because if kikuchi is your best pitcher and over a full season you're going to get four to six fewer starts from your best pitcher how can you possibly be competitive you get marco back it's the same thing and so and, and honestly they had start the season it was the sixth uh, spot was really a toss-up between uh, Justin Dunn and um, what's, oh, what's his name? The kid that got hurt, uh, the lefty. Oh, uh, Sheffield? No, no, no. Uh, oh, great. Um, Margaviches. Mar- oh, Mar- 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so how is that team supposed to compete against 
the Astros mm -hmm. or the A's. It can't. So I don't think at any point does management really think they're a contender. But I do feel that, uh, you know, fans, obviously fans are hopeful. They should be hopeful. I mean, why you don't want to go into the season and just think, well, we're going we're gonna to be awful. Uh, but there's no reason to believe this team is contending. Now, as far as the uh, as far as selling and all that, there's really not much to sell. I, mean, I was thinking just like sell, sell low with yeah, anything. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're, they're not yeah. going to get like a, a haul in return. I don't think that they that's might, I don't know that they're necessarily going to deal anybody significant. I mean, there's sure there's always a chance you're going to deal relievers because relievers are, a, you know, they're a high demand commodity at, at the deadline. They always are. Uh, starting pitching wise, I mean, who would you deal? You know, Kikuchi. Who else? Who else on that staff is going to actually uh, be interesting to a contender? He's the only guy that's been consistent and uh, overpowering so far. So I don't necessarily see them in that point. Now it, it could be like last year where they get blown away, like they did for Austin Nola. And sure, they'll deal somebody. Mm. Like there, there may be a guy that they don't plan to trade. Let's take Mitch Hanniger. They may not want to trade Mitch Hanniger. They may want to hold on to him. But if somebody comes calling, you know, on July 31st and says, hey, here's an offer you can't refuse. Yeah, they're going to deal the guy. But I don't I don't anticipate they're going to be a big wheeler dealer right now. Yeah, I got to. Th I mean, how many and you know about the the depth in other systems more than I do. I mean, if you know anything, you know more than I do about the depths of other systems. But <laughs> At some point, this team does have to commit to somebody. It feels like they've they're committing to Marco. You mentioned Hanniger, who's who's felt in the past like he he could go either way, but now he's kind of proven himself as okay when he's healthy, he does appear to be a very good major league player. Do you want to hold on to him? And you say offer you can't refuse. I mean, Jesus, how many how many deals does Jerry, does Jerry Depoto need to make? That sound that way, like, oh, well, we got to get Justin Sheffield. We got to get Kelnick. We got to get these guys. Before we think we're just constantly trading one player after, an, we're trading four players that don't ever really materialize into anything or, or don't material or don't develop at the same time. Like it's at some point you need to say, okay, come hell or high water. I'm, I'm keeping this player because I, I need him to develop now. And what you're giving me back, I have to wait on like, you know, Taylor Trammell or right. whatever. You know well, what I mean? Austin Nola was not going to be part of their future. True. Anyway. But so I'm talking about Hanniger. He and, about, and he's about 30 example. years old. You know, you get offered a, a top 100 prospect, mm -hmm. a high, highly regarded uh, uh, relief arm, and uh, and then, of course, uh, Ty France and uh, Torrance. So how can you pass that up? You know, and so mm -hmm. now France fits into their, into their plan. So they actually added a guy – who, if they want, can be part of their their future. So, you know, I would anticipate the same thing here. Uh, they're not going to trade, you know, I don't know, Jared Kelnick. You right. know, they're not going to trade, you know, J.P. Crawford, I don't believe. You know, they're not well, going to – Why not exactly with, with Crawford? Well, I, because I think they view those guys – they're still trying to determine how those guys fit into their future. Mm. And and uh, there wouldn't really be much of a demand for, for J.P. Crawford per se. And, you know, and, and a contender is not going to want, you know, you, you know, they're not going to trade a top prospect kind of guy. Uh, Mitch Hanniger could be interesting to somebody. Tom Murphy could be too, but you have to really like, like how much demand will it be for a, a, for a right fielder? You know, there'll be some, 
Somebody mm-hmm. might need a bat and wants to add to their, their lineup, but it's not going to be a high demand. You may actually have more demand in the offseason when you have, you know, all well, 29 teams might be interested in adding some a position player to their lineup uh, instead of, let's say, three or four in July. So it just depends on that. Uh, but I don't What else would they deal? Tom Murphy and then relief pitchers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess with Crawford, it's not that I would expect getting a ton in return, but I guess I could see another team, um, a pennant contender, maybe trading for or wanting defensive help, like in the late innings. That's possible. You yeah, know what I that's mean? a possibility. Uh, but uh, I still think they want to see what they have through this year and then decide what they're going to do because they have to make a big decision in the offseason. Are they going to pursue one of these uh, uh you know, uh, high dollar shortstops, the high profile shortstops that are going to be out there. You have Corey Seager, Javier Baez, Trevor Story, uh, and uh, Carlos Correa. They're all going to be free agents. So, do the Mariners want to jump into that market, or do they want to uh, go with JP Crawford? You know, so I, I don't think they're going to want to move a guy like that. I just, I think, like I said, I think they're going to move around the edges, if at all. Relief pitchers, yeah, relief pitchers, you know. Um, Kendall Graven might be interesting to somebody. Uh, if Eric Swanson stayed as good as he's been lately, sure. Uh, Stecken Riders, another guy that yeah. could be, you know, he could go down the line there. You know, the guys that are kind of performing pretty well. Uh, Keenan Middleton, uh, you know, everybody's favorite, uh, Rafael Montero. Uh, yeah, those guys could be interesting for teams that are trying to build up their bullpens to make a deep run. But other than that, I don't know what else the Manners have that would necessarily be interesting. Sure, Kyle Lewis would be, but I don't anticipate them trading those kind of guys. Yeah. I think they're committed to their guys. Now, I would say it, if the if there was an opportunity to add somebody who would be part of their team next year and beyond, they would take that shot like they did with Marco, like they did with uh, – with France last year and, uh, and uh, what's his name? The, 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 I forgot his name, the relief pitcher that's hurt right now. Uh, those kind of guys. Yes. But I don't anticipate. Not, but, not, that, but, but no, but he's just been Mun- DFA. No, no, it's Mun- I think it's Munoz. The, the fourth okay, player yeah. from, from San Diego. Uh, my brain's going, okay. going flutter here, <laughs> but uh, they're like, those are the kind of guys uh, they would try to add. They're not going to go and get more prospects. Okay, I don't. I just can't see that happen. Mm-hmm. They're not going to trade a guy for prospects. You know, there's just that that train has left the station. But I would say they might be trading prospects. You know, at some point you're going to have to. If, if, if the team wants to take the next step, somebody has to be get traded, and they're also going to have to sign free agents. But they're going to have to make some deals. And where's the where's the value? It's in their minor league system. It's not on their twenty five or twenty six man roster. Right now. You're, like you're, no, you're hundred percent right. And, and God, I mean, it, if the free agent market at certain positions, I mean, you just rattle up a handful of shortstops there. If if the Mariners aren't in on one of those guys to try to at least set the table for the future, I would find that curious. But if the guys that they had at the major league level right now didn't like if Kyle Lewis kind of 
flopped or didn't become a star. And they traded away the guys that are like prospects that are in the minor league system. And they became good later on. I mean, that that would really screw things up because then you've invested all this money in, in, in free agents. But the guys you have at the major league level who you've committed to aren't working out. And you've traded away the prospects that are working out elsewhere. I mean, it's still... That's a risk you take. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have, if you don't take any risks, how do you ever move forward? You know, you don't, uh, now, you don't, but you know what? The Mariners do have money. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. They should definitely have money. I mean, the reason why that, uh, my understanding is why they haven't spent it yet is either the timing isn't right or the right guys haven't been available that they really want. But eventually, you have to go with what is available and you have to be able, you have to be willing to build when you feel like, okay, this is going to be our best shot because, you know, Kyle Lewis and Marco and Sheffield and Dunn and uh, Kelnick, like they're about as close as they're going to be to being ready to, to, you know, be in their prime, I suppose. So we, we got to take that shot in the next, what, two years. They got to start spending money. Do, do they not? Yeah, I think they're going to spend money, but I, I would guess that the reason that, you know, Mather pretty much told us why they didn't spend money recently is mm. because, you know, with the pandemic, they were trying not to lose money. They were trying to minimize their losses. Uh, I do think they will spend, although, you know, uh, Jason, uh, uh, Jason Churchill wrote a really nice piece yesterday about the ownership and saying that it's about time they stepped up because they have not. Uh, when you look at it, this ownership group has not spent the biggest contract they've let is uh, Kukuchi. Mm. That's it, you know, and it it has a lot of uh, it has opportunities for them to get out of it without too big a financial burden. But other than that, like you know, Seeger is a Zarensic guy, Cano is a Zarensic guy, and there's or the prior ownership, and they have not signed any big contracts. And that's okay. I mean, they're in this rebuild and uh, there's really no point. I mean, if some people think they should be spending money like the Royals, you know, the Royals spent a little more money and they don't have much to show for it. You know, they said, well, at least they're trying to win. Well, they're not winning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, how much you spend is not necessarily as important as how well you spend it. The Angels are spending over $100 million more than the Mariners. They do every year, it feels like. Right. They, well, they, it's because who they spend on. I mean, mm. I obviously, they got to spend on Mike Trout. Right. But did they really need to get Anthony Rendon? You know, I mean, they, they is that, they needed a position. Their, their starting pitching is awful, as mm. usual. And that's where they needed to go get players. And they didn't, you know. Yeah, to me, do you know who Brian Eno is? I don't know. Brian, okay, so he's a, he's a very, very famous producer in, in music. Oh, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, produced, yeah, like, for producer. you, too, yeah, and everybody. Yeah, yeah, he's know. also a musician himself. He right, was in, right. in a band called Roxy Music way back in the day. Right. But the, I have his uh, one of his autobiographies up there, and there's a great quote in it that I've always sort of carried around, which says some. – I'll paraphrase it. It says, oftentimes spending tons of money is an implicit – or indicates an implicit lack of creativity. And that to me is what the angels are, right? They right. just throw, I mean, look, the Yankees, Red Sox, you know, they throw money, but they at least have some sort of plan as to how it's going to come together. Um, what I, The Mariners, 
There is a plan, and it is, I, I think, creative. I mean, Jerry Depoto, all of these guys ultimately will, ultimately will reflect him and the deals that he's made. Um, but just because you want to be creative and you want to have your own guys, it doesn't mean that you can't. You, that you don't spend money at some point. I mean, that that has to happen. Otherwise, if you don't succeed, I mean, Jerry, he would regret that. I mean, I would think he would regret not spending that money. I think he wanted to spend money in the offseason. Mm. You know, I mean, I always joke that I'm the Jedi whisperer, that I can listen to him and kind of know what he's talking about. And, I, you know, so he was speaking on the, his podcast, The, the Wheelhouse, uh, after the season. And he was talking, you know, in broad terms about, you know, looking back, and it was the 91, I can't remember, it was the 91 Braves. They went the worst of first yeah. Braves, right? And so he was he was saying that at some point, they will go get their Terry Pendleton, and uh, and that they would get. No, I just forgot his name. The the pitcher. Uh, anyway, Charlie. So, what Charlie, Charlie Brent? Yeah, yeah. I wrote a <laughs> Who piece gave up about the it. Home like, run. Gosh, yeah. It's on the tip of my tongue, and now I'm about to say it. I forgot. But Charlie Liebrandt, and he made it. I my takeaway was he wanted to get his Charlie Liebrandt in this off season. Basically, the way he described the guy is somebody who still still can pitch, and who's been there but can still do the job. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, you're going to have to pay more than a year for a guy like that. You're not going to, it's not going to be one of these one year dudes. It's going to be a two to three year contract. Somebody that's going to kind of be a bridge as, as Gilbert and all these other young guys come up. And I think that got squashed. I think he got squashed on that stuff. I could be wrong, you know, but I think he wanted to add some complimentary pieces that wouldn't block anybody to help raise the floor of the, the roster but I believe that they got shut down. I mean, when you listen to Mather, that's a lot of what was going on there. He talks about Taiwan Walker and James Paxton and coming to, you know, with their hats in hand. And I'm thinking, well, dude, don't you want to make your team better? Yeah. You got to like, you're, you're talking about how you're winning on the money game and you're not talking about winning baseball games. And so I, I really believe that DePoto got, squash there and so what he has to do is make do with what he can and that's why you have jacob nottingham and 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 guys like that you know playing on the mariners right now because he, what else are they going to do they, you know guys get hurt and they don't there's nobody to get them. well there's no depth they didn't they didn't spend money on the depth in, in fairness to uh <laughs> to mather who oh, I, oh, I seem to have this very strange, awful habit of defending. I don't know why. And by the way, if I'm missing something here, please point it out because okay. I don't want to be in that position. But they did get Paxton back. And, 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 and had, he, had he not gotten hurt like usual, um, he would have been that perfect guy in that Charlie Liebrandt role, would he not? He would have been, but he uh, there was a lot of risk with him. and That's why he was a one-year deal. Just because of the injury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, okay. It, he had to be. And yeah. I think he wanted to prove it himself anyway. I mean, mm. you know, if he could have a good year, he could potentially get a two or three year deal from either here or somewhere, somewhere else. But, you know, the, whether it was Walker or, or uh, Paxton or somebody, somebody else, you know, a veteran guy, even if you had to trade for him uh, and, uh, you know, have to pay for him because he's already on the contract. That is something that they should have tried to do. And I think he wanted, I think the Poto wanted to do it. Yeah. I mean, but Jesus, I think, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's a slave to whatever the money guys. That want. is, that's absolutely true. I mean, you know? it, look, if the Mariner, 
I didn't hear that particular conversation that where Jerry referenced the '91 yeah. Braves. But God, if yeah. the if the Mariners were in the position, say, a year from now, or, or even two, where all they need to do is add like a Lee Brant and a Pendleton, and they've got like future Hall of Famers and borderline right. Hall of Famers waiting right. in the wings. I mean, think about that team. You've got Ron Gant and David Justice, like in in their third years in, in the league. And then you've got Smoltz, Glavin, not Maddox, but you have Steve Avery. Avery. Yep. Right. Steve Avery. And then came Maddox. They, they signed right. Maddox. Exactly. Right. And, right. and, and then you, they added, you know, Nagels and Millwoods down the line, but even an Alejandro Pena closer. I mean, they, I'm trying to think of Sid Bream, you know, just leadership right. guys. Right. If they're, if I felt like the Mariners were that close, God, I would be ecstatic. I just feel like they're still, they're because two they, years away can, from that as a best case scenario. But if they had added a few guys this year, yeah, they would be that much closer next year already. Without yeah. any, then if you add in the development of guys like Kelnick, uh, Gilbert, whomever else comes up, and they say, "Oh yeah, now we got a guy here in left field. We got a catcher in Raleigh. You know, we got a, a starting pitcher. Hey, we're starting to build something here, and we've already got these guys that we brought in. Now we just need to bring in a few more guys, and now suddenly you're looking at, at a pretty good team. But they lost." They lost the year uh, because financially the team didn't want to lose any more money than it did. The Badler bragged about how they didn't lose much, as much as others. And they lost the year of development in, with the minor leagues. And so that's sort of slowed down guys like Raleigh and, and Gilbert. They would have been here at the beginning of this year more likely if they had played a full minor league system, uh, season last year. God, so, so it, it, it's interesting just based on that, like, Usually we look at it year to year, like, okay, by the end of this year, we want to be here and come in. But you almost have to look at it in terms of half years now, based on the way some of these young kids were, were stymied last year by the COVID right. thing, right? Because uh, is, is Cal Raleigh, is he healthy at the moment? He's healthy. He's doing well. He will be the next guy up. Right. Okay. But uh, I think they're just, he's, a, he's playing well at Tacoma. He's, uh, he's hitting the ball well. But I believe they just they want to get him some more time at AAA. He's a switch hitter, mm-hmm. so he needs more time, obviously, to, to work those skills. And, uh, and hey, look, it's, it's not a service time manipulation. You know, they bring him up at any point this, the rest of the year. It, it's the service year. So it's not, it's not a, a big deal that way. They're just trying to bring him along because he missed last year just like everybody else. He, picked, he played at the AA Arkansas the year before. So, but after that, there's really sort of, I don't know who's next, you know? Yeah. Maybe Chandler Tramiel comes back later, uh, somebody like that. But there's nobody that's obviously going to be here right away. It just depends on how well the kids develop uh, in the minors this year. Yeah, I mean, so. somebody, somebody in the chat here is kind of echoing you a little bit. Uh, Joel Latta, 24. Maybe I'm a forever Mariners homer, but with this, with this season, I've been prone to do the thought that it doesn't make a ton of sense to add free agents to a team where the bulk of their prime prospects are just now getting their feet wet at the big league level. You know, maybe... Um, I don't know if I'm guilty of this or not, but maybe some people, some fans are... At the end of 2019, when Kyle Lewis came up and raked for September, I think that might have left us with the impression that, oh, well, Jerry's hitting on this guy, and surely in 2020, he's going to be great. So you thought... If you were, if we're in September of 2019, we thought, well, certainly by 2021, they're going to they're going to have their act together and at least, you know, hope to finish 500. And, and I think, like you say, 
we need to push everything back at least a couple of months and probably like another year, right? Before they before they can even sniff 500, right? Yeah, I, I mean, 500 is out of reach to me. Yeah. Uh, something changed. I mean, like you say, you know, like I, I, I've heard Shannon Dreher say this, and I, I agree with her that, uh, you know, let, let's see at the end of the year how some of these players have developed. That's how you determine the success of this year. How What does Jared Kellman look like yeah. in September? You know, it's not like he's a finished product, but, you know, to me, he looks like a guy that's going to do just fine. Uh, but how does Logan Gilbert get over the bumps that he's encountering? You know, how does Cal Raleigh integrate? And who do they pick up? Do they pick anybody up? Like I said, do they pick up a couple of guys that are going to be complimentary pieces? And suddenly, you know, you start to have the makings of a of an interesting lost roster. And then you go into the offseason, you pick up a couple more guys. It can turn around quickly. But it's going to take some dollars. It's not going to be – and it's going to take training prospects. Mm. Now, possibly what I'm talking about is, you know, guys, uh, pitchers. They are deep in pitchers now. And there's a risk you're going to trade the next John Smoltz, ah. you know. But For Doyle Alexander, right? Yeah. which For is Doyle what Alexander. The, yeah. I mean, that was a deadline deal. But I'm saying, you know, you, you trade – you know, pitching is the hardest thing to get. Starting pitching is the hardest thing to get. So – but at some point, you're going to have to bring in major league guys. You know, I I like to say that every team needs that guy. You know, the guy is like Justin Verlander with the Astros, John Lester with the Cubs, that sort of Schilling guy. With the right, Schilling. Sox, yeah. You know, like you get a guy uh, either at the deadline or in the offseason. You sign him as a free agent. You trade for the guy. And he is the anchor. He is sort of the moment you know, hey, this team is for real. And uh, I don't know how the Mariners will require that guy. I don't think they have that guy right now. You know, I like Marco. I don't think Marco is that guy. I don't think Logan Gilbert's that guy. And I don't think anybody in the system is that guy. You need a guy that's been there, done that, that's got some shots. And they're hard to find. Yeah. They're not, they're not many of them. And teams don't like to part with them. And they're expensive. And so we'll see. We'll see what the Mariners do in the offseason or in the future. I guess – I'm remembering back to the Zarenzik era. One of the things that went really wrong there, just not just, you know, the players themselves, but some of the younger players at the time, like Ackley, uh, right. for example, we heard the line, their kids for, a, for, I think about a year too long where we were told, Oh, don't, you know, just wait, just wait, just wait. And right. before you know it, it's over. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, right. that that's my worry. I'm not, I'm not impatient with players that are truly young. I'm talking young in terms of like uh, MLB service time. Right. But I, I just don't know how long it takes at the major league level to prove you do belong. It For, depends. I mean, Mike Trout, that's the example we all like to use. Mike Trout got set back though. Mike Trout, if you look at Mike Trout's numbers uh, through his first 50 plate appearances, they look a lot like Kelnick's. I'm not saying Kelnick is Mike Trout, mm. but you just don't know. Or you could be like Bryce Harper come up like the world on fire with a rookie of the year. It's just, you know, at 19. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, it's hard to tell. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. had a good first year, but he didn't win the rookie of the year. He was He was good, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the man yet. He was, he was on the way. It just depends. It, I think 
you know, that's where smart-based football people and organizations, they can look at the guy's processes and see, you know, does, does he know how to self-correct? Is he, is he doing all the right things? Or does he need to go back to the minors and work on a few things? And I think with Zorensic, they didn't have a, a process in place to kind of push a guy back down when he, if he needed some work. They were just more intent on getting guys up into the majors and, it, it, you know, just let it go as it goes, you know. And, you know, look at when uh, DePoto got here. What did they do? The first thing they did, they sent Zanino back down. And say, hey, no pressure. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, you when you're ready, we'll bring you back up. And they had some mild success with them for a while. But maybe if that had happened three or four years earlier, maybe it would have turned out different from him. I mean, he was always gonna be a big swing at this guy anyway. That right. was that's kind of his profile, you know. But yeah, they just there's just some things that maybe could have been worked on. You know, Ackley's another guy, from what I understand, you know, there were some confidence issues that went on and probably not getting the support from the organization that he probably needed didn't help the situation whatsoever. You so. mentioned that Griffey was not the rookie of the year in what, 89. Do you remember who was? Cause I think I do just as I think it's uh, I forget his name. I think he, he was the, he was the manager at Tacoma. I think what's his name. Jeez. I think Pat, I thought it was Pat, a guy who Pat, wore, who, uh, who wore this uniform. Pat who? I thought it was Greg Olson, the relief pitcher. Uh, you might be right. I thought it was Pat. Uh... Oh, gosh, I forget. Maybe not. Hold on. I'm going to look this up real quick. 1989 AL Rookie of the Year was Greg Olson. Yeah, you were right. How about that? There were two Greg Olsons, right? Wasn't there a catcher for the Braves, actually, named Greg Olson, too? I, I think so. I think so. There was Tommy Gregg. Greg Olson and Greg Olson, <laughs> which is fucking strange. Uh, yeah. What was that guy's name? Pat. Uh, not. Olson. Yeah, Tom Gordon actually. Uh, uh, Tom Gordon was actually the uh, the runner up that year. Oh, was he really? Wow. Yeah, Griffey finished third. Third. I wonder if Griffey didn't did he not play like a, a ton in '89 or something? Because uh, Olsen played 127 games, so oh, that's a, that's a lot actually. Because yeah. Olson was a um, Kevin Brown was a rookie that year. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Brown, Jim Abbott. Olson was a he was a he was their closer. I mean, he saved 27 yeah, well, games. Well, saves, yeah. So he had the third. That's kind of weird. I mean, Gordon <laughs> had a good year there. Craig, Williams. yeah, Gordon, yeah, they all were. Uh, yeah, he had. Yeah. God, can you imagine well. having a rookie <laughs> going 17 and nine? With uh, three, Jesus, three, six, four, I'd take it. Hell, I'd take Jim Abbott at 12 and 12. Yeah. You know what I mean? Different world. Way different different era. Yeah, I mean, like, right. I mean, you're a rookie. You just go out there and you hope for the best over eight innings. Like, just go own it. Right. (laughs) You know, which I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, that's the best way. It's the easiest way for a fan like me to understand and interpret the progress or lack thereof. But I mean, Jesus Christ, I wouldn't do that now. Um, Do you think that, Service and Depoto are linked. Like, like or service is going to survive this year and next year, no matter what. Like, he's their guy. Or do you think that they may say, "Oh, well, you know, you're just the the developer guy, and then we'll move you up to the." It's possible they can move him up. I don't. I. I mean, I think the the two guys are linked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if the decision had to be made to make a change to manager, that Depoto would do it. 
I know they're friends and they're, they're pretty tight. And, uh, and, 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 to, and services, you know, I don't think he's done a poor job of managing. Yeah. I think, you know, I think too, too often fans think that, you know, uh, the manager blew the game because of what pitcher he used, the relief pitcher and all this nonsense. Yeah. But like, we don't know what guys are available night to night, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just how that works. So I, I yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a possibility that could happen, but I, you know, if I were service, I'd want to try to see it through, right? If of you were him, right? Yeah. You would want yeah. to stick it out. You wouldn't want to be sent upstairs, even if it's a promotion and a pay raise. You know, it's hey, you know, I've been here what is it, five, six years now. Yeah, I've had to, I've had to suffer on it, right? Playing right, coast like, to coast, like losing, right. losing, losing. Like, I'll, if I have right. a chance to win, I want to win. I, I agree. Um, yeah. But speaking of the wrong manager for a team, we'll go off the Mariners here for a second. Yeah. What do you think of all this business with Larusa? I mean. The, the hiring itself was controversial. And right. now it's like, you knew that as soon as there was even a one small issue, I don't know how big this one was the other day where they, you know, his kids swung at three Oh and, but yeah. um, you knew that people were going to jump down his throat as soon as he even, right. you know, looked at somebody sideways. What do you make of that hiring? Do you think that he is the right guy for an up and coming team? I don't think he's the right guy. He was hired by the owner. Because the owner had has long said his greatest regret was firing Tony Larusa. Was it thirty years ago? And so he had an opportunity to bring it back, and he decided to do so. And that's the owner's prerogative. Mm. As far as uh, what went on last week, you know, if uh, if Mercedes, if he did swing on it, he swung through a three zero. You know, if there was a, a hold sign on, and he didn't, he didn't, or take sign, and he didn't he swung anyway and he knowingly did it. Yeah. yeah, He should be disappointed. It's, you know, that's, that's sort of cut and dry. But if, uh, if it's one of these things where, Hey, he missed it, he screwed up. Okay. But as far as swinging on three and oh, and all that other nonsense. Yeah. Swing away. Gosh, it's already an embarrassment. It's a desecration. You already have a, a, a position player throwing in a blowout. So stop with the whole honoring the game and respect of the game. If you want to have respect for the game, then have a real pitcher on the mound. Well, why would they oh. give? Why would they give the take sign though? Because a- it's sportsmanship and all this nonsense. You know, like you know, three zero. This guy's just throwing. What was he throwing? Fifty something miles an oh, hour. Okay. He was throwing, right. I, I so gotcha, like, I oh gotcha. yeah. You know, it's like just batting practice. Don't. Well, what he would. I think. Uh, uh, Larusa acknowledged that he probably would have gotten the same pitch on a three-one count anyway, mm. and that's assuming that he even throws a strike. He was already three and zero. Like, how do you know he's going to throw a strike? Yeah, you know. I mean, what's the, what's the difference in outcome here? I mean, the whole point is to get the game over with. At the that thing, point, blowout. Yeah, I, I tr- when it comes to like the the uh, the unwritten rules of a sport, I, I try to. Like I've never participated in that culture, so I can't sit here and denigrate it myself across the board. I try to evaluate it case by case. Like, okay, you know, what was the situation? Did did you know? Did X plus Y equals Z? But I guess what I don't understand is it seems like the players themselves are divided on it. You know what I mean? So how, how if there's no consensus, then is there really a right or wrong decision to make? Uh, it probably just depends on how old you are. I heard CC Sabathia, who's no longer a pitcher. I mean, did you see his rant 
I, I didn't who, see it. I heard it was rather profane. Holy, yeah, he was. He was with um, Jesus right. Ryan Rucco. Yeah, it, I mean, right. every other word was f this, f that, and right. it, he obviously has it in for Tony La Russa. I mean, my God. I think a lot of people do. Yeah, they do. And like I, I've heard from various <laughs> people, he can be yeah. sullen and he can be this, he can be that. But you know what? His perceived sullenness isn't relevant to this issue if what he's doing is trying to actually either, you know, pr- protect the game. If, if that's what he feels the right thing is to do. That's got nothing to do with him being ornery. Like, when I say judge it case to case, I want to make sure, like, we evaluate his actions properly and not based on, well, I just don't like him, so anything he does is wrong. You hear me? Right. Yeah, I hear you exactly. But what I would say is, now, I didn't know, I don't know how he got to the point where he was saying he would handle... uh Mercedes uh, for swinging on the three zero, mm. but uh, you know somebody asked him a question. I don't know how he got there. I just heard the quote, but uh, maybe that would have been a good point to really say nothing. And if you're going to discipline the guy, you discipline the guy, you know. And then to come out and what was the was the next day? Uh, the pitcher on the Twins threw a pitch behind Mercedes, mm. and he basically uh, Larusa basically was defending. The picture by saying, "Well, I can see why they feel that way." Again, like you're, you're supposed to be standing up for your team, even if they're wrong. This is the guy who used to defend uh, Mark McGuire and and Jose Canseco against steroids, mm. steroid charges. He was the guy that said he didn't believe any of this stuff, and now suddenly you can't defend your own guy who swings on a 3-0 pitch. Okay. Come on, right? I mean, Well, yeah, on, right? you're right. You're right when you say come on. But let's let's see this through, okay? Let's right. as, let's assume that Larusa was lying back then. Like he he knew Canseco was doing it, he knew McGuire was doing it, and he he was in the wrong, right? So now this time around, if he knows that his player is going to get thrown at the next day because this is the way baseball is, and his his intention. Now, you're. I agree. He probably shouldn't have done this publicly. But if his intention to help his player out is like, hey, you know, you're swinging at three zero pitches. I don't know if you got the sign or not, but you're getting thrown at tomorrow. Like, I hope you realize this. His intent might have actually been to help him. And I would say, two wrongs don't make a right. Right? You're not going to defend your guy when you know he's done something wrong just because twenty years ago you had two idiots who were throwing needles at one another. You know. Yeah, I, I would just say that again. All of that could have been said behind closed doors. No doubt, I completely. That's, agree. That is that's the issue I have. Yeah, to, you know, just you know, if you're not happy with what he did, like basically, you stand up for your guy regardless publicly, and then you go behind closed doors and you say, "Okay, now that I stuck up for you, mm. okay, now we're gonna have a conversation about what you did because it was wrong for whatever reasons that he perceived as wrong. Whether it's doesn't matter whether it was wrong or not. The bottom line is. You don't do that stuff publicly. You don't chastise people publicly. You don't people who work for you. You you don't do that. That's wrong. You know. I mean, I I've made that mistake in my life when I was in the Navy, but you know, I learned from it. I'd like to think, as I got more senior, that you you just don't do that. You praise publicly. You chastise privately. That's just the way. And and Larusa knows that. That is not you know. It's not like a first year manager under under or a, a manager on the hot seat. He, he's not going to be a hot seat because he's the owner's got his back. So 
Like, you know, think about what you're saying. Man. And he would you know? build and he would build up equity with the player if he did handle yes. it behind closed yes. doors. Yeah, yes. no, I, yeah. Up, like like uh, um, oh the guy on the, the was it the Cardinals yesterday where uh Joe West, the, the, the umpire, had him change his ball cap because it looked like it had a bunch of foreign substance on it. And the manager of the Cardinals just lost his mind, got thrown out of the game. And after the game, he was making all these ridiculous excuses for his guy. I mean, he knows his guy had stuff on the hat, mm. but he's never going to say that. Well, yeah, you know, everybody's doing it. He's just going to stick up for his guy. That's what the players expect. I believe that's what they expect. I mean, that's what everybody don't you expect. Like when you work for somebody, you expect your boss. If you screw up, you expect your boss to stick up for you. And then when you, the door, when everybody leaves, he's going to take you or she's going to take you in the office and say, hey, you can't do that kind of stuff. I mean, that's how I see it. Um, I'm thinking through that, Luke, because that was not always my experience because I was a bad boy more than once. Well, it doesn't uh, matter. That's a, that's a shame on your bosses. Then. If they didn't well, close I mean, the door they, and have it out with you. No, no, no. I wouldn't yeah. say that they, they didn't like go out of their way to embarrass me publicly. Right, right, right. right. That didn't happen. Um. But I mean, this is a great topic. I wish we could talk about this for, I mean, like if, if a business has a person, a high profile person mm -hmm. who does something to embarrass them in some way. And by the way, I don't know that this thing with Mercedes qualifies as embarrassing the right. team, but let's right. just say they do. I mean, more often than not now the, the companies are quick to just kick them out the door. You know, they right. don't even get to the point where they would have to defend them because they just go running from it, you know? Well, I always tell my wife that uh, when it comes to an employer, uh, they will tolerate you as long as your value outweighs whatever you're doing wrong. In other mm -hmm. words, you know what I mean? The more it once the, uh, the, the backlash or the embarrassment from your actions outweigh your value and you're gone if it's public especially yeah yeah if it's public yeah or if it, and it's the same thing if if you're just in a regular company you know you know if you're the best salesperson in the office they probably tolerate you coming in a little late mm -hmm. a little early on fridays or whatever mm -hmm. but once you're not making quotas and you're not you know you're not getting you're not making the company as much money you know they become less tolerant. I mean, that's sort of how life is. Yeah. You know? and, and I have, so, and I have zero problem. Here. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. And, and as far as this, you know, I always say, you know, when you're, when you're going to, when you're going to discipline somebody or you're going to make a, a, a stand on something, it always should be about the team or the business, but the team, you know, so did he, did he hurt the team? That's debatable. But if, 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 there, if it needed to be handled, it could either have been handled by him or by the veterans on the club. He's a rookie, you know, there's veterans there. If they thought he did something wrong, they could take him aside and say, hey, you can't do that. Okay, that is a fantastic point. And I forget, God, I mentioned something the other night when I talked about this where I said, I, I, I'm, I was just asking, okay, is there still a, an unwritten rules of baseball? Thing? Are, are there still, is there still a culture that's being handed down through the generations where, like you're saying, the veterans would take him aside? Because when I heard Sabathia going crazy, ranting against the unwritten rules of baseball, I'm starting to think like, okay, well, do the veterans still do things like that? Or are we just moving into, into more of a permissive 
culture like in baseball or anywhere else where everything's just allowed. Because if that's the case, I think that that can actually be destructive. And if LaRusse is trying to protect that, again, do it publicly? No. But that I get. That's where I say, okay, maybe the unwritten rules of baseball have some validity because they protect against total permissiveness of just players acting like idiots. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, you'd have to ask a player that. Sure, what, but even then, you can't get a straight on. answer. Right. right, but I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they've they've, they've uh, mellowed, uh, mm. but there's things, you know, again, is it something, you know, if you're showing up late for workouts or whatever, mm. you're not there on time, you're hurting the team, somebody's going to say something to you because it's about the team, you know, as far as swinging on a pitch and celebrating and everything like that. Yeah, that's changed a lot. Mm. Obviously, that's changed. We've seen that's changed a lot. Um, and that'll probably – I suspect some of that will self-correct through time. That where It won't be as big a deal. The bat flip won't be as big a deal. It might not even happen as, as much as it does now. Uh, you know. Again. I don't personally care. Like, hey, flip the bat. You hit the home run, flip the bat, celebrate all you want. I, I don't care. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure I – I guess it's funny how we focus on these weird things sometimes to make like a greater, a greater overall point, like a bat flip, like a bat flip. Like that's what, is that the controversy or is this about something else? I never, I never would have even noticed, you know, that it was yeah. out of the ordinary until somebody else pointed it out. Right. It's because right. somebody was irritated by it. Somebody yeah, was uh, right. offended by it. And that's what brought it to your attention yes. was the controversy from it. Not so much the act itself. Yeah. Luke, what are you working on? Oh, shoot. Uh, what are you working on at the moment? What's your next? Uh, you I'm working on something to uh, it's it's um, in, in, in regular years. I usually do a quarterly uh, reports or every uh, a third of the season type reports. Uh, I'm going to do a little different this year. Uh, late next week, I'm going to come out with something that, uh, uh, sort of compares uh, how the Mariners are doing now compared to last year and where they stand and sort of get a sense of where they're going. And then probably I'll follow that up, that particular piece, with something after the, uh, the, uh, the trade deadline to see how, okay, where are we at? You know, this is where we are at, uh, you know, around the 1st of June. And now mm-hmm. here we are, uh, you know, the first week of August, what's changed, what's going on, what's the outlook for the rest of the season type thing prospectinsider.com Luke Arkins Jason Churchill always doing a tremendous job over there Luke really appreciate sparing 50 minutes for me tonight thank you yeah anytime alright man take care subscribe right. rate review get it on demand podcast form I am going to podcast this one because it's Seattle centric so thanks to everybody for joining us talk to you next week
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.